you have your Bibles, will you turn to 1 Corinthians? 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And it is good to be back. I'm thankful for your patience, and I'm certainly thankful for your prayers for myself and our family and our time away. Thankful for our staff and, uh, and for all the volunteers. Our, our church is staff-led and volunteer-driven, and uh, together we work for the glory of God and the good of man, and I am uh, certainly thankful to be a part of Lindsay Lane Baptist Church. You all are so wonderful, and uh, it's great to, uh, to see you be back again. I'm also thankful for our pastor emeritus who stood in the last two weeks and delivered last week's message and the message before that. And uh, truth be told, we're, we are supposed to conclude our Mark series today, but I've only gotten to deliver one of those. So um, we're actually going a little bit of off script. And as uh, Brother Dusty was reading through the scripture last week, I read a few verses uh, ahead in, in chapter 3, and uh, to be quite honest, they just jumped off the page into my heart. It hasn't left me, and, and so I've studied this week to, uh, to deliver that. And so from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 21 through 23, let's read together. The Bible says, So don't boast about following a particular human leader, for everything belongs to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Peter or the world, or life and death, or the present and the future. Everything belongs to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. So the Bible says to the Christian, everything belongs to you. All things are yours. It all belongs to you who belongs to Christ, who belongs to God. I mean, when you see that, what do you think about that? When the Bible says that all things are yours if you are a believer, I mean, truly, just the statement of everything belongs to you sounds like a line out of a popular song or or like a picture that you would see on social media, an image, a, a graphic that would say, all things are yours. Everything belongs to you. Like the thing that it reminded me of was, was one of those guys or one of those ladies on the Peloton bike that's trying to pump you up. And one of those things in the commercial that they would say, you know, while you're riding your stationary bike up an imaginary mountain in the middle of your living room, everything belongs to you. Let's do it. Like that's, that's what, when I read that for the first time, that is a big statement. All things are yours. Everything belongs to you. But this is, this is a biblical truth that I've not been able to let go of since Sunday of last week. God's Word says to those who believe and believe in Jesus that all of it is yours. Everything, everyone belongs to you. So today, let's discover exactly what that means and how to apply it. Lord, we thank you for your Word. Once again, we bow and we talk to you through the grace and mercy and blood of Jesus. Believing, O oh God, that you hear our prayers and that you are in our midst. And we ask, O oh God, that your Spirit guide us into all truth today. For we are nothing without you, and through you we can do all things. In Jesus' name, amen. As we studied last week, God has ruled out the wisdom of the world. The wisdom of the world is foolishness to God, the Bible says. And the wisdom of the world is to place value on people above God, on works above grace, on feelings above truth, and good enough above holy. That is the wisdom of the world that makes sense to man, but in the eyes of God, all of those things are foolishness to him. 
Wisdom comes from truth, and truth comes from God. And the Apostle Paul, when he was preaching to the church in Corinthians, said in the early chapters that he delivered messages to God's church not with philosophical eloquence and not with human reasoning, but with plain speech that was based on Jesus. He was trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit to make the truth of God plain. And he preached this way, not for self-promotion, but so that the church would not trust in a human leader, but trust in the power of God over and above the greatest thought that any man has ever had. In chapter 1, verse 30, the Bible says, For our benefit, God made Jesus to be wisdom itself. When you are seeking wisdom for your daily decisions, seek no further than Jesus, for all of God's wisdom is bound up in the person of Christ. So the instruction that Paul gives, as we reinforce from last week, is that if you want to be wise in the eyes of God, you've got to be a fool in the eyes of the world. And if we stop and think that over, as Brother Dusty challenged us with that last week, let me ask you, do you really want to be wise in the eyes of God, risking foolishness in the eyes of the world? I mean, do we really want to do that? Are we okay with folks outside of God's universal church seeing us as a peculiar people, as weird in some of the things that we do? Do we desire to respond and handle situations in a godly manner rather than the way that we feel and we just want to haul off and do things? Do we want to exercise leadership that we have and influence that we have? Do we want to exercise that in a way that only gets results? Or do we want to exercise leadership in a way that honors God Almighty? Do we want to treat resources that we have by the standards of the world? Or do we want to treat resources in a way that is faithful to God and by the instruction of his word? Do we want to honor God above people and faith above works and truth above feelings and holiness above good enough? You see, we can come up with these questions all day long. But for our lives to represent the wisdom of God, our choices each day have to become increasingly weird to the world. What does that mean? It means that we give towards what God values. It means that we forgive people when we don't want to and they may not deserve it. What that means is that we are slow to speak and we're slow to get angry and we are quick to listen as the Bible points out. What this means is that we love people who don't love us back. The wisdom of God says that we leave the comforts of our home towards the mission that he's given us. The wisdom of God would lead us to hang out with people for the purpose of making a gospel difference in their life. So this is the wisdom of the world, the wisdom of God that looks weird to the world. And if we really want to be wise in the eyes of God, it's going to show up in our daily decisions. Are you with me? Now this brings us to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 21. All of that setting up to where Paul says this, don't boast about following a particular human leader for everything belongs to you. Now, to be honest, for a few days, I had a little bit of difficult time understanding what this meant, that everything belongs to me and everything and everyone belongs to me because I was thinking, how is it that I am Lord over everyone and everything? You belong to me and you do and so do you and so does everything out there. That's what the Bible says. Everything belongs to me. But to think that I am Lord or to think that you yourself are Lord over anyone or anything is absurd because we can't even be Lord over ourselves. 
I can't even get myself right. So how can I be a possessor of everything and everyone? Everything belongs to God and is subject to his will. Therefore, as I belong to Jesus, everything belongs to me. Not in the sense that you or I are Lord over anything or anyone, but in the sense that I am to influence or steward anything on behalf of my Lord and Savior. Are you with me? Now, I want you to think about this with your next daily interaction. With the next thing you've got up on your list, either this afternoon, tonight, or tomorrow morning, the Bible says that everything, Christian, everything, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and follow and live in Jesus, everything and everyone belongs to you, meaning that you are to be a responsible steward of every interaction that you have. You are to be a responsible steward on behalf of your Lord of every single thing that you own, of every piece of influence that you have for the glory of God and the good of man. Because you don't belong to yourself. You belong to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who belongs to God. And because of that, you have a responsibility and Christian freedom to live. My children are not yet old enough to drive my truck. But my truck is theirs. Amen, Davis? No? My truck is theirs. My truck belongs to Davis and Noel King. They can get in it when they want to. They claim a seat that is their seat in my truck. They can leave stuff in my truck if they want to and claim that I'm the sole reason that it's messy. But they can leave stuff in my truck. If they want to, they can play in it, and one day they can drive in it. All of that can be yours, right? This truck that I have, it is theirs. And the point for that is this. It is theirs because it's mine. And because it's mine, they are free to interact within it, but, it's be, but because it's mine, they have to do so by my will. Christian, are you picking this up? Because it belongs to me, it belongs to them. But because they belong to me, how they interact within it is according to my will. What you should see in your life now and in the next day and the next day is both freedom and restraint. This is the Christian balance. When I look at life this way, and the scripture that says everything belongs to us, we'll discover our Christian life to be a balance between Christian liberty and Christian responsibility. And we'll not be afraid to live because everything belongs to us, but we'll not live in any way we want to because everything belongs to the Lord. You see, we are subject to Christ alone. And we have a godly obligation to everyone and everything. Now, what follows in the Scripture is what one commentary calls the Christian's inventory of possessions. What exactly is it that we do own? All of this that is ours, what exactly is it? And the Bible begins in chapter 3, verse 21 by saying, Don't boast about following a particular human leader. For everything belongs to you, whether it be Paul or Apollos or Peter. Human leaders belong to you. Human leaders belong to those who believe in Jesus Christ. 
You see, and in light of everything that we've said about the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God, no one should boast in men. No one should lift one man's name or one woman's name up and above the name of Almighty God because even the best people you know were created by God and they are broken by sin and in need of reconciliation of God. Even the best ones you know. And when we boast in men, when we boast in men and give more thought to men and more credence to men, the more that we do that, the farther from the foundational truth of God we go. I remember years ago, my dad ran for a seat on the Limestone County Board of Education. And we were out one Saturday politicking for him, influencing voters. We're handing out cards with his name on it. We're at a local gas station, and we hand this lady a card and said something like, you know, we'd love for you to consider voting for John Wayne King for Limestone County Board of Education. And she said, no, thank you. I'm voting for Johnny Red Scruggs. That's what she said. I'll never forget it. Now, some of you in here that are from Limestone County may know Johnny Red Scruggs. I've never met the man. I'm sure he's totally fine, just a fine human being. Never met him. Here's the thing. Johnny Red Scruggs wasn't even running for the same position or office that my dad was running for. <laughs> Serious business. And so she shut us down real quick. I want to tell you there's a point to this. The point is, is that her allegiance to a leader blinded her from the actual truth. She had a blind spot in her life for even truth to get in because she was so aligned with one man, one leader, that she couldn't even see the truth of the situation. We need to be careful with this. Y'all hear me? The truth is, as much as we might have a preference, and that's how we are, we're all born with preferences, all leaders belong to us. All leaders belong to Jesus, as Jesus belongs to God, belonging to us. Don't misunderstand this. As our pastor Emeritus said last week, we need godly leaders to represent the truth of God's word in office, in education, in the pulpit, in business. We need godly leaders to raise up, stand up, and make godly decisions on our behalf that reflect the word of God. But Christians, to boast about following a certain human leader is a do not in Scripture. That's what it says to you and me. Do not boast in human wisdom. Do not boast about following a particular leader. We can vouch for leaders. We can support leaders. We can vote for leaders. But to boast about being a follower of any human leader is to boast about following one who is flawed, who is broken, who is substantially lower than Almighty God. It is to pledge allegiance to a creature rather than the Creator. None of us would ever do that, right? You know what? Let, let me just tell you something I've learned. If it's in there, I'm capable of it. If it's in here, we may dismiss it and say, I'd never do that in my life. Well, then Lord, why'd you even put it in here if none of us do it? That's because we're all capable of it. We're capable of thinking of it, of doing it, of lifting the name of a man or woman above the name of the king of kings, the one who died for us. We're capable of this. As one leader said, quit running a fan club for a sinner saved by grace or need of it. The scripture here is 
speaking not just to, I think, all leaders, but it's specifically speaking of spiritual leaders. Paul, Apollos, Peter, they were all impressive. Credible Christian leaders worthy to be imitated as they follow Jesus themselves. And the scripture would say to Paul and Apollos and Peter that we belong to them as they belong to us. But the Corinthians were fiercely aligning themselves under one of them or another, almost as if those leaders had done the work of their own salvation. This was getting to the point, if you read chapter 1, this was getting to the point where their allegiance to a human leader was causing division in the church, causing division in, in, in the body of Christ because of their allegiance. I remember one time I was at like Walmart or Publix, and I ran into this lady that goes to a different local church, and, and was just on staff here as a student minister at the, at the time. And she said, now, where do you go? And I said, I, I, well, I go to Lindsay Lane. And I said, well, what about you? She said, I go to this particular local church, which is a great church, by the way. And she said, well, do you love the place that you go to? I said, yes, ma'am, I sure do. And she goes, I mean, do you really love it? And I was like, yes, what's, what's your deal? You know, like, I was like, this is weird. She's like, we really love it. And we really love him. And I was like, that's great. I'm good too. Like, I feel the same as you. I mean, it was such a weird vibe. I was like, be careful that you love the church and the leader more than the Lord Jesus. We just have to be careful with that because the object of our faith is not our local church. The object of our faith is surely not our pastor. The object of our faith is not any preacher that we listen to on the screens. The object of our faith is alone Jesus Christ. He is the object of the Christian faith. So we must be careful even when we are dedicated. You see, the fault was not with the Christian leaders. Apollos and Paul and Peter, the fault was not theirs. In the scripture, the fault was the Christian followers. They were giving more allegiance to these human leaders. And their allegiance were to the spiritual leader and not to the Lord. And when one group boasts in one or another and another, the Christian church is now divided. Now listen to this point. The Corinthian church was dividing glory not meant for men. Dividing glory not meant for men. I want you to think about this in the context of spiritual life, but also in the greater context of our world in general, that no man is worthy of the glory that is meant for God. I went recently to see the movie Elvis. I don't catch a lot of movies, but I did go to see this one. And in the movie, I mean, you kind of know how it goes, right? But in the movie, one of the main characters placed the blame for the demise of Elvis not on himself, but on those that followed him. The ones that created the demand. His famous career, extremely under the demand of those who loved him, it began to fade because of his health and because of the demand on his time and his body. And he tragically died in his early 40s and drug use being a significant contributor to his death. As I left the theater and watched that from beginning to end, this is a thought in my heart. No man is meant for that much glory. Do you hear me? No man, no woman is meant for that much glory. We see that play out all the time. Every week we read of somebody that was lifted up in fame either very quick or over a long time and they are completely falling apart. And a lot of it has to do that they are getting more glory than they should have ever to begin with. For all glory belongs to God. 
glory to God in the church, the Bible says, especially. And people who are celebrated cannot handle the fame, cannot handle the demand, cannot handle the acknowledgement. They burn out. Now, listen. This does not take away all the other things that the Bible teaches that we are to support and to respect and to encourage and to imitate as they imitate Christ. Christian, the Bible teaches this today, though. Leaders, people, they all belong to us, which means we are to love and support and enjoy and encourage and to minister and to serve. But we are not to worship or follow in every step. They are not God, and therefore we must not give consideration to any man and their wisdom more than we do the Lord. And knowing this, knowing this truth that everything belongs to you, let me lift you up today. Don't you let anybody make you feel lesser than. Somebody in here that's struggling with insecurity, don't you let anybody make you feel lesser than, like they are above you. Nobody is above you if you are in Christ. They belong to you. How about that? And so take this for your own security. I remember my uncle used to tell me after church sometimes just to encourage me. My great uncle, he'd say, let me tell you something. You're no better than anybody else, but you're something special. Now take that. That's a good word right there. And whichever part you need to take with you today, take it with you. Maybe you need to hear today that you're no better than anybody else. That people belong to you, but they are not below you. You hear me? Or maybe you need to hear today that you are something special as a son and daughter of the king a created being in the image of God, you have value in the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ. No, there's no higher than that. This is what all of this means when the Scripture says that everything and everyone belongs to us. Don't get me wrong. The Bible also is not saying that you are not under anyone's authority. Don't take that out of here today. That's not what we're saying. If we preach the whole Bible, we understand the structures of organization that God has set up in the home and in the world, and we've got to be careful to incorporate all of Scripture. And it should be mentioned that when the Bible says that leaders belong to us, again, and people belong to us, that no one is below us. We are responsible for people. We are responsible for righteous influence, for brotherly love, and a loving witness in this world. Now, the second thing that we own as it belongs to us is the world. Now, think about that. The Bible says that the world belongs to you. Whether Apollos or Peter's is verse 22, or the world, the Bible says. Now what is the world? The world represents the present culture that we all live in and out of each and every day. The world is the value system of the masses who live in the world that God created but who do not necessarily acknowledge their creator. The world is an atmosphere of selfish pleasure It is a world that is of material desire, and according to the Bible, the world cannot fulfill you. It can only produce cravings for more of it. And in the world, God is not always denied. No, he's not always denied. But the worldly idea is that he is not acknowledged as supreme. The Scripture says that this world, for the time being, is underneath the authority of Satan. He's not the king of it, but he's the prince of it for a time. Which is why the world is deceived into what? Into their foolish wisdom of believing that people are above God and works are above grace and feeling are above truth and good enough is above holy. These are the ideas of the world that we live in because the prince of this world is Satan according to the scripture. 
Yes, the world we live in and the world that we see on our screens every single day, it's there every day we wake up, and it is influential to us, and we should not claim that it is not. But Christian, you owe nothing to this world. You are not bound by its push because you do not belong to it. Teenagers and college kids, old folks and young folks and kids, does everybody in here hear that? You owe nothing to the world. You don't have to do whatever the world says. Why? Because it belongs to you. The world belongs to you. You do not have to express the sentiments of this world. Yes, you can absolutely peacefully and passionately disagree with the value systems of the majority and the loudest voices. Why? Because the world belongs to those who belong to Christ, who belongs to God. That is the order and organization. Therefore, as the Lord has taught me, and I've passed it on, live in this world and light it up, but don't love it. That is the balance, the freedom that we have in Christ to wake up every day and live by the grace of God before others, to live in the world without a rigid adherence to biblical law and to salvation. The freedom that we have in Christ is to get up and go and rely on His grace by faith. But the responsibility that we have is that we are under the authority of Jesus and subject to His standards as we live in the world and light it up with His purpose. Y'all, I saw a display of nachos the other day. Weird timing, maybe interjection. I know it's getting dinner time, but listen to this. I didn't see a table. I didn't see a, a plate of nachos. A table of nachos is what I saw. Serious business. There was a table of nachos and meat and jalapenos and sauce and salt and pepper, and it was just just spread out, and it looked amazing. And after I saw that and I read this scripture, I thought, that belongs to me. You know? Like all of that, all that is mine. I am to be a steward of those nachos. Serious. And, and it's what it says. It's what the Bible says. And here's the truth of it. I am free to eat those nachos. I'm free to do it. And so are you. But to eat a table's worth of nachos will not only make me sick, but it will also present myself without restraint. And the truth will be that these nachos don't belong to me. I belong to those nachos. <laughs> now, do you see that? This is what we have to realize in the world. We are to live in the world and work in the world and play in the world and minister to the world and serve the world, and all of that is permissible. But there is a line that is crossed. If you cross it, then you don't have the world. The world has you. Now, I say that with this. You can try to play it off as much as you want. But if it begins to affect you and the others around you know that you've given yourself over to it, it's just like those nachos. No longer do you think that you have the nachos the nachos have you. No longer when you think that the world, the world belongs to me. I light up the world. I've called upon the name of the Lord. You may think that, but when it begins to sway you and everybody else knows it, no, 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 no. The world doesn't belong to you. You belong to it. The scripture says blatantly in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, 
Do not love the world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. What else do we own? We own life and death. Man, listen to the word, how powerful that is on the promise of Jesus and what he's accomplished. Christians who follow and live and believe in Jesus. Life and death belongs to us. The elements of life and of death belong to the believer as they belong to God. On a very relevant note, if life belongs to us as we belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God, that means life is precious. Because all human life was created in the image of God and that includes life developing in the womb. How do we know that? Because the wisdom of God is bound up in this book. And the Bible teaches us that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and Psalm chapter 139, verses 15 to 16, and others. The wisdom of God is bound up in this book, and the church of God is bound up in that book as well. You see, all life belongs to us. It belongs to the church as we belong to Jesus, and we are responsible to protect and care for all life, and not just the unborn, but the born. We are responsible to protect and care for people. People like who? People that make us uncomfortable to be around. They belong to us. We're to take care of them. We're to protect them. We're to see towards their best interests. We, we have those that belong to us are people that we disagree with. They belong to us. We would, would we not say that our children and how they act and what they do, they belong to us? They belong to us. We are responsible for them. Well, in the world, people who we disagree with, people who we're uncomfortable with, they don't belong to us as we, as our children, and that we are Lord over them in a sense. They belong to us and that we are responsible for how we take care of them, how we teach them, live before them, protect them. They're people. They're image bearers of God. That is what the scripture teaches. The people that we know, the people that we don't know, they all belong to us. Life and death belongs to us. As one pastor said, anything that demeans the value of people's lives must be addressed with the same fervor and passion given to preserving the life of the unborn. But when we think of life, now just be honest, when we think of life, we don't think of life in terms of human life in general. We think of our lives personally. We think about what's going on in, in our life, our day-to-day. -day. We think about the situations and circumstances that we're all going through right now. Each and every one of us across this sanctuary today have something different they have dealt with, are dealing with, or will deal with. And so when we think of life and death, we think of life as the life that we want to enjoy, do we not? We think of the life that we either once enjoyed, that we enjoy now, or we want to again. Often, though, it seems like life... It seems to be our friend and death our foe, but y'all, I'm going to give you a sobering truth today. The reality is, is life is not loyal to us and death is coming for us. Now, that's bleak, isn't it? Life is not loyal to us and death is coming to us. I know it may be bleak. It would be bleak, but it belongs to us. Now, think of that. The Scripture says that life and death, whatever you are going through, belongs to you. You are responsible to the Lord God for how you handle it, for how we walk through it, for how we apologize. 
We are responsible in life for how we navigate through a difficult circumstance, situation. We are responsible for how we handle difficult people. Whatever we are going through in life, it belongs to us. It doesn't have us. We have it to be a responsible steward of. The feelings of life and death are sometimes enough for us to want to just stay in bed, never go outside. That's the feeling. But the fact is, is that life and death belongs to us. Christian, do you understand today that death doesn't have you? You have it. Y'all didn't hear that. I'm serious now. Sometimes in church we hear something so many times we didn't hear it. Death belongs to us. How come? Well, if we belong to Jesus, Jesus belongs to God, death has been overcome. The last greatest enemy has been shut down because of our Lord and Savior. So when we die, we'll be in the presence of God. Death don't have us. Because we belong to Jesus. Let me tell you something. If you're in here today and you're not sure of your salvation, if you, if you do not belong to Jesus, death has you. That's the truth of it. And I'm not saying that to preach at you. I'm telling you to warn you, lovingly warn you, that if you are not sure of your salvation, there's never been a time where you've turned from your sin and turned to God. You called upon the name of the Lord to be saved by his grace through faith in Jesus. If there's never been a time in that, The good news of the gospel is that Jesus is alive because he defeated death. He defeated death so death wouldn't have you so that you would have it. This is the truth of God's word. Don't you want death in that sense? Because it's coming one way or the other. Listen to Romans chapter 8, verse 35 through 37. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Now listen, y'all, just open your Bibles and read it and hear it. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble? or calamity, or are persecuted, or are hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death. As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Take that with you and carry it on. You have victory in Jesus, like the song says. How so? Because even life and even death belong to Jesus. And maybe sometimes we don't feel it. And to that I would say, as I said to myself, you've got to trust the truth. The promise of abundant and eternal life is ours in Christ. Jesus gave his life to the point of death and raised up in all the power of God over death to give us hope of eternal life for those of us who would deal with our sin and accept the way to God through grace. When you belong to Christ and are right with God, you no longer are living without hope, and you will not die without hope either. And finally, the Bible says, the present and the future belong to us. Finally and briefly, your right now and your not yet belong to you. Listen to that. Your right now and your not yet belong to you if you belong to Christ. Your current situation, your future seasons, they are all full of purpose. And they're all full of responsibility and freedom from insecurity and burdening restriction if you are a child of God. What a promise to know that God will see you through all the way into eternity, no matter what is in your present, no matter what is in our future. To know that your present and your future will not separate from power and promise of God is what? It's a peace that you all need to have now. It's a peace that you need to have in your life 
that no matter what, it's going to be all right because God don't shut it down at the tombstone. Eternal life is a promise that God has made a way and has kept. To worry yourself through life, to struggle every free moment of your life with sin, that is no way to live. Now, you'd rather struggle with it as to give in to it but God has not only freed us from the penalty of sin, he's freed us from the power of sin. So for all of those in here that are struggling each day with sin in your life and you just think that's the way that I'm made and I guess it's going to be this way, you don't have to be that way. For the power of the Spirit of God lives inside of you and you can get up over what you're going through because God will see you through it as you submit to him. Somebody say amen to that when they've been freed by the power of God from something holding them down. Amen to that. And I give God credit for the things that I've hopped up over in my life because if it were not for him, I'd be down under him again. To worry yourself through life, to struggle through life, there's no way to live. It can be different when you see it this way, that those things don't have you, you have it. As you belong to Christ, as you abide in Christ, as you walk with God. However, finally, final statement, if you do not belong to Christ... If you have never called upon the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of your sin and committed your life to him, then all of those things, you don't have them, they have you. And they'll have you till you turn it over. And I would not dismiss that the Holy Spirit of God is present in today's service just like it was, just like he was when I was 11 years old and I sat right back there and I began to think about my eternal life and that night, I didn't have life. I had death. But God's Spirit began to draw me based upon the truth that Jesus sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, alive and well because he overcame it. That is the same good news that I am telling you today. The bad news is that all these things have you until the good news that you turn from your sin and turn to God and let God take you and have it. It's as simple as faith. Serious is repentance. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet. As you are standing there, before we make our way out, before we make our way to lunch, before we do anything else, if God's Spirit is knocking on the door of your heart, do not deny Him. Why don't you turn today and let somebody help you? Now, we're going to have pastors standing here to help you through any questions or decisions that you've made. But I want to tell you this today. Listen to me. I want to tell you that if right now, if you're at a place where you need forgiveness of sins, just go ahead and bow your head. Everybody bow your head and close your eyes. There's people moving, but don't worry about that. Listen to this. If God is knocking on the door of your heart, and today's the day of your salvation, in faith, call on the Lord the best way you know how. Acknowledge your sin and acknowledge your need for Him to be your Savior. Lord, this is the truth of your Scripture that all of the things in our life, past, present, future, Lord, this world that we live in, the people that we are around, the leaders that are influential in our life, all of those things, as we belong to you, they belong to us. So, Lord, that we would not live acting like all of those things have us under their thumb, but that we are free to live in you. Spirit of God, make all of this plain. Lord, today I know as 
Every Sunday you work in our hearts that there are people here that need to join this church, take the next step of baptism, or they need to be saved today, oh God. Lord, that you would move on their heart to move down this aisle so that we can help them. Or Lord, move on their heart to contact us after, however you see it through. God, we just pray today, oh Lord, as we respond, we would be thankful in singing the promises of you. And Lord, that we would acknowledge where we are weak so that you may make us strong. In Jesus' name, amen. This altar, pastors are open here.